Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor, we're going to trial. Simone Misik is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. and Parcel. It's going so well. We were having such a great day. And then this from Bruce Feldman, uh, where as we enter the 6 o'clock hour, Josh, he's saying uh, a tweet. UNC announces that due to the surge of positive COVID-19 tests uh, on campus, Carolina Athletics will suspend athletic activities for all sports teams until at least 5 p.m. Thursday. And that is obviously tomorrow. This is this this could be nothing, but it's at least something and something to, to cause you to raise your eyebrow here as you wait to see whether we can have football in the ACC. Yes, certainly not good news, but I wouldn't I wouldn't constitute this as anything catastrophic or anything. This is simply UNC has clearly struggled in their return to campus at uh, containing the virus. They've already moved all their classes to online. And in theory, this is going to help the football team stay secluded from uh, potential outbreaks. This just means that they're trying to, I think, get things under control. It's it's until tomorrow. This is not like they're suspending for a month. We saw something similar at Appalachian State where they're actually dealing with positive tests on the football team. And these may happen. And th- this is just like the same thing we've said with the NFL. We said it with the NBA when they started. Uh, we've seen it happen with Major League Baseball. Even if we do have a college football season, and I know this is different because it's not the pros, but if there is a chance that we could be in the middle of a game week and there could be an outbreak and a team can't play. And we have to be prepared for that. And we have to be willing if we're in, in that moment to not shut everything down because hypothetically speaking, let's say North Carolina can't play its game this week against NC state, whatever uh, that shouldn't shut down everything across the country. But it's, it's definitely something we're going to have to continue to monitor because well, college kids are starting to get back on campus. North Carolina is one school that's already suffered some outbreaks. Notre Dame has done something similar. They've moved all of their uh, learning virtually and other schools are starting to follow suit. Yeah. We talked about it with David Ubbin at three o'clock today and it feels like, 
if you want college football, you should almost want the college campuses to go remote learning because then it would allow the players an amount of protection that without it, there there isn't. And there's just it just feels like there's overwhelming risk to overcome and overwhelming chances for risks to, to overcome yeah. versus remote learning and, and what essentially come, becomes a bubble. And I think that if college football is going to survive, it probably needs to have this kind of bubble. It's just the funny thing about it is we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday, but when they're pro athletes, you can essentially, you have a CBA, you have a player's union, the players agree on whatever the terms are of playing, right? Like major league baseball famously had this argument and negotiation for months and it was mostly over money, but it was a negotiation about, all right, what are the terms of us playing? The NFL had to do something similar and it led to a delay in the opt out deadline. Like college athletics just doesn't have something like that. So the schools are basically telling the kids whether they can play or not. And if they can play when they're allowed to practice and when they're going to play those games and the players just really don't have much of a, of a voice in, in any of it. And that's a bit of a problem And this is why UNC the, the, the wording of their clause, if that's what you want to call it, where they said, well, you know, everybody is going to move off campus except for anybody with hardships, right? So if you don't have internet access, you can stay. If you're an international student and maybe it's going to be difficult, difficult for you to travel home, you can stay. And if you're a student athlete, you can stick around too. Since when is being a, a college football player or any student athlete a hardship? It's not a hardship. They're helping generate money for the school. So that's the hardship, if that's what you want to call it. And that's their way of basically getting around this and not just admitting, hey, um, these guys are basically semi-professionals that just happen to be enrolled in classes here. So while we await to see uh, what what any kind of impact at App State is in UNC, of course, we're also seeing that Justin Fields, Ohio State's quarterback, continues to 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 wage uh, some sort of PR battle on behalf of the uh, the We Want to Play petition that he sent out there and movement uh, that that he's getting some support behind. I did see Urban Meyer's wife get behind it and retweet it, uh, and we also got today from Tom Fornelli that the Big Ten is working on a plan that could start its college football season in early January. But Justin Fields was on. Uh, Good Morning America today with Michael Strahan to talk about the crisis in college football and to try to continue to push his petition and and, and try and reinstate uh, fall football for the Big Ten. Yeah, so, I mean, this has now gone beyond simply a social media movement. This has gone beyond just the Big Ten network. And honestly, this has gone beyond ESPN. You're talking about national network television. You have the most visible athlete in your conference, Justin Fields, who will be a top five pick in the NFL draft, who is the quarterback of the most prominent program in your conference. And he is now going on national television and saying, and here's the quote from Justin Fields this morning. He he was on for several minutes, but he said, my main message that I would like to get across to the Big Ten commissioner is just that we want to play football. I feel like a lot of players feel more safe around the facility rather than just being around campus like a regular student. For example, we get tested twice a week. Everyone's wearing a mask and things like that. I feel like a lot of players feel more safe around the facility than being out in the community without being tested twice a week, which brings up an excellent point that many people have argued. I would also argue it that football players are, are, are safer playing football 
and having access to the kind of medical testing and the resources that that they are afforded by their scholarship and by nature of being on the team than the regular students are. So by canceling football and in essence turning these kids into closer to a regular student, it might make things less safe for them. And this all boils down to, to, to the same simple fact that has continued today is that the Big Ten shut this down without offering any transparency, without offering any concrete evidence to support their decision to shut things down. There's there's a report that maybe they there's as many as 10 players in the Big Ten uh, athletes in the Big Ten who have been uh, who have tested for myocarditis. The Big Ten has not confirmed that. It'd be great if they could. Uh, I hope that's not true, but if it is, we would like to hear that from the Big Ten. The Big Ten has not published any medical studies or results or guidance that they have been given that that, that dictated them shutting down. The Pac-12 has done that. And if the Big Ten's not going to give these kids answers, they deserve it. And I applaud Justin Fields. It's not going to mean much. I mean, the players can say all they want. We want to play. It's not going to change the decision. The presidents who who a week ago thought it wasn't safe aren't all of a sudden going to change their minds because the kids want to play, but they deserve more answers. The commissioner, Kevin Warren, was at an event today with the Sports Business Journal and was asked one softball question about it, and he deflected again. They, I don't understand how they haven't come out and given the, the players and their parents more answers on this seemingly bizarrely timed decision. The more I think about it, the Big Ten blew a 28-3 lead. They, they, there. There's going to be a point in time where, if the rest of the Power Five conferences have to cancel, the Big Ten can take the. See, we were ahead of this. We were being overly cautious on behalf of your kids. They could have had this in a position where they, they could be looked at it. We, we could be looking at the other three power conferences and saying, "Why are you playing if these two conferences have this information? Why are you ignoring it?" Instead. The Big Ten's inability, and I'm not, I don't want to hammer the guy because it's not all his fault. It's his job to be the public face of the conference, but if if it's not necessarily his decision, I can understand Kevin Warren's in a in a bad position, but you had a lead here, right? You can say, look, we're doing it for these reasons, and we prioritize the health and safety of our athletes over money. They could have. They had that in their hands. All they had to do was explain uh, and disseminate a fair decision and dis- and say who made the decision. They had to disseminate that information to the family members. Even if they didn't like it, they might at least understand it if they got a fair explanation. And then they just had to explain it to the media. The three things, three easy things that you would think any conference making, quote-unquote, the morally right decision could do – they didn't do one of them. They, they so in in some ways what they could if they had done this right eventually they could be proved right if everybody else decides to shift it to the spring or cancel college football now you're still going to fall back on well okay they made the decision early but did they really make it right because they couldn't explain it in the first place. I just wish that this decision had been left to the schools to the players uh, to the people who are invested in this day after day. I mean, let, let's face this, too. I mean, in the state of Ohio, uh, other colleges 
It's able, they're, they're allowed to play. The governor of Ohio is allowing high school football to be played, other college football games to be played. The Browns are going to play. The Bengals are going to play. There's others from the well, pros all the way down like to punishment for those teams. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is uh, that they could keep the fans away from, from Cleveland and Cincinnati. Cleveland might have a good year and maybe some fans want to show up for those games, but the, the Bengals will play 16 games. Yeah. The, the Bengals, maybe you don't want to watch, but it's just, you, you've got these inconsistencies where schools within the same states, some are allowed to play and some aren't. It doesn't make sense. I, Iowa and Iowa State. Iowa State's allowed to play. They're, what, 100 and some miles away from Iowa City? Uh, you know, that that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, there's other schools in, in other conferences that, that are, you know, share a... Um, you know, share a state with a team from another league and one can play and one can't, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't understand it. That's inconsistent for sure. So yeah, I don't understand why the conference is, um, has not been more forthcoming with their players has not been more forthcoming with their parents. And to your point where, yeah, the big 10 could have been out ahead of this had they provided actual evidence and an explanation that was sufficient on why they're shutting it down and say, Hey, we're, we're more concerned with player safety and here's why, right? Then maybe we could have bought into it a little bit more. I still think that patience would have been key in this, but you have uh, potential uh, breakthroughs in testing just in the last few days that could help college football. Uh, cheaper, more affordable, uh, faster result testing that could absolutely help these schools, including the Big Ten, play football this fall. It's not a guarantee, but it's possible. And the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, among other leagues, are are being patient and allowing to see, all right, what do the numbers look like on our campuses as kids return, if kids are returning at all? Uh, what what uh, breakthroughs are we having with testing? Can we can we wait this thing out a little bit longer and see if we can manage to pull off a season? Right now, the Big Ten is, I mean, they're not. It's not a good look, but the Big Ten is surviving. If we get into October, I said this a week ago. If we get into October, November, and and five or six FBS conferences are playing football, including conferences with teams in the same states as Big Ten schools. And the Big Ten is sitting on the sidelines. That could do irreparable damage. Maybe not to Ohio State. Maybe not to Michigan because they've got brands big enough they can survive it. But to the schools that are trying to punch above their weight like Minnesota and and, and other mid-level schools in the Big Ten, this could be irreparable for them. Uh, and uh, benefits, I guess, the other conferences that are playing. It's a, it's a risk the Big Ten has taken, no question. And you would imagine the collateral damage of that would be Kevin Warren's career as the Big Ten commissioner. Whether it happened next year or three years from now, it's something that's going to hurt him and hurt his credibility. And by the way, not just as Big Ten commissioner, that dude had aspirations potentially for the NFL league office and the NFL commissioner. If if this goes the way you just kind of drew it up there, you can go ahead and kiss that away as well. Uh, do you think we? Do you think the petition by Justin Fields will get the Big Ten back this fall? Do you think it'll work? The bust and the backup headline my list. Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio FNZ. And you shall receive uh, Kevin Warren of the Big Ten Commissioner just uh, released an open letter to the Big Ten community trying to, uh, not trying to, but listing the 
uh, primary factors that led to the Big Ten's decision to cancel fall football uh, this year and try to potentially regroup in the spring. And some of the ones here, uh, are, some of the things mentioned were the fact that transmission rates uh, were, were still alarming with campuses reopening and maybe insufficient protocols. He did talk about uh, concerns about contact tracings. I also went to the access to the tests in some and the quality of tests in some cases. But then he also uh, mentioned the unknowns of the virus. And he does mention uh, the, the statement here is, well, the data on cardiomyopathy is preliminary and incomplete. The uncertain risk was unacceptable at this time. I think the problem is there is one question above all else. It's not it's not just why did you decide to make this decision it is why did you decide to make this decision now why 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 did it have to be then and he still doesn't answer that he doesn't in a way he he kind of does i mean they talk about how they're not comfortable with the testing now or the concerns uh, about contact tracing and um, not having the ability necessarily to have uh, widely available and accurate rapid testing. That's the line here. Um, he also talks about how transmission rates continue to rise at an alarming rate. Um, I'm doing this very quickly, so I haven't done extensive research on this, but just looking at a snapshot of states in the Big Ten footprint, uh, cases uh, over the last uh, three weeks trending down in Ohio, uh, over the last uh, three weeks trending down in Michigan, uh, trending down in Iowa, uh, trending down in Pennsylvania, uh, flatlining in Illinois, Illinois, they, they peaked several months ago. They've actually trended slightly upwards. I, I wouldn't call it an alarming rate, uh, compared to what we've seen in hotspots around the country, but I understand, uh, it's a very sensitive topic, but just the, the fact alone that he says, well, you know, we don't have accurate and rapid testing yet. Well, guess what? There's a possibility that this saliva direct, and I, I don't know much about it. I'm just, I, all I know is what I've read, but that saliva direct which is a potentially a breakthrough in testing that could be much more affordable. Right now, the average test costs $100. This test could cost, according to reports, as little as $4, which would make it much more affordable. You also could get the results within hours as opposed to waiting up to a day, if not more. This could be a game changer for all sports. The NBA was a partner in this study, so the NBA has endorsed it. Um, and it could be a game changer for college football. The fact that this could be available by the end of August could help Schools that want to play college football be able to play, test their players frequently uh, and, and accurately and um, help them play. So these are the kind of things where the timing of the decision still to me is what I don't understand is I, I there, there's time. You don't even have to start practicing until September if you didn't want to. You don't have to start playing until the last Saturday in September if you didn't uh, need to. There was no reason to make the call now. I still don't understand that. And. I don't really think that the statement, as I've read it very quickly here in the break, uh, is enough to, to satisfy me. So that is the latest from the Big Ten there. And again, uh, the Tom Fornelli report earlier today is that the Big Ten is is starting to draw plans to potentially begin their season in early January. Uh, so that's the latest with that. In the meantime, Josh, earlier in the show, we got into uh, the, the Panthers, maybe the, the road less traveled Panther talk. And, and it's a fill in the blank. It is don't sleep on blank. And for me, there are two guys. One guy I've mentioned 
one guy I haven't that I'm interested in. One is the backup, and that's Mike Davis. And I, I say Mike Davis is the backup because I do think Reggie Bonifant's going to get touches this year, and I think that's I think he has a chance to be the second best running back on this team. But Mike Davis is something Reggie Bonifant isn't, and that is he is a bowling ball. He is a, a you know predominantly between the tackles kind of player. To me, when I look at the depth chart, I look at CMC and then Bonifant in the all-purpose category, and then in power backs, it's Mike Davis and Jordan Scarlett. I, I'm not saying he's going to get all the touches, but I think Mike Davis is going to have some touches here that Reggie Bonifant can't touch because stylistically, and I'm, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be fun to watch considering that two or three years ago you saw the Saints have 400 and almost 490 touches between their two running backs, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Yeah, the Saints have really mastered the, the two-back system, and they're not the only ones, but having Kamara as a guy who's a dual-purpose back and then having Ingram or now Latavius Murray as the guy who can run it between the tackles and Honestly, I think the between the tackles thing is slightly overrated. It's just he's a guy that's less versatile, but he's a guy that can share snaps and and take some of the the hits away from Kamara. That's what's important. If you could if you could take McCaffrey's you know workload distribution and let's say all right we want to we want to give the ball to McCaffrey three hundred and and seventy five times this season, which is a lot. But let's say they want to do that. How do we want those touches to be divvied up? Do we want 120 of them to be receptions and 250 to be rushes? That would be nice, um, assuming that those receptions aren't just checkdowns, but maybe we're moving him out and, and splitting him out in the slot or playing him as a true wide receiver. If we can do that, the types of hits you take as a receiver are typically less taxing than the kind of hits that you're taking snap after snap as a running back, it's a little bit safer playing wide receiver than it is playing running back. So if that's what they want to do, who is going to be that other back? Mike Davis is a powerful back. He's not a speed guy. He ran a four six coming out of college at the combine. He's not known as he's not a four six. Yeah, you're talking about a twenty yard dash, right? Twenty. I've seen you run the forty. That was maybe ten. Don't be hateful. <laughs> I've gained weight since then. Um, so yeah, so he's. You could honestly be a great power back for the Panthers. They could use a guy like you uh, on the goal line, so that McCaffrey doesn't have to take those hits. I, I would just practice falling. That's pretty. I would just get to the line and then I'd just fall forward, and I feel like I could get three yards just by falling. And and nobody like people trying to catch me, and I just keep moving my feet, and then they take me down after like four or five guys tackled me. I think if, because you are a big guy, if they if they gave you 10 carries on the goal line, one yard line, we're going to run fullback dive over and over again, I don't think you score a touchdown. I get one. No. no I don't I know don't. I could walk after those, it. Those dudes would. Dude. I'm okay. I understand are, you're a big dude. The, the big dudes in the NFL are a different breed of big dudes. The, it is the weight. Wait, wait. Do R- I have, right, but they. Do I have to go in front of the Panthers offensive line? If it's the Panthers, you're, you're I'm not losing. Scoring. Right. I, I might not walk again. I'm telling you, man. Zero touchdowns. Not a one. Not man. That's uh, this hurts. You said it's we, not your we, fault, and neither would I. I wouldn't score. Well, yeah, but you're not a behemoth. You're like the one thing I got is is mass. They, the they, would, they, would, they would they would kill you. Okay, but that these 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 men are. Me. You're talking about dudes who who bench press 550 pounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would, they would, they would, they would laugh at you. First, you gotta go low. 
Okay, you got to go low. You go the bowling ball. Oh my God. You got to go the bowling ball. Yeah, there's no way. It, with my mat, listen, they can stop 240 pound backs, no problem. I'm almost two of those. You get me uh, from the five yard line running as hard as I can with my head tucked down. And, and again, the low center of gravity, they might kill me, but they'll kill me as I'm being sl- but just the laws of nature. The laws of gravity propel me into the end zone. That's not once. how gravity works. <laughs> They're going to hit you backwards. Mm, You're mean, not falling forward. That's if they get me straight on. NFL defensive tackles and linebackers. You're not falling forward on those dudes. But that's if they get me straight on. If they get me, at I a think glance, I, I don't think they'll have a problem. I'll ricochet off. Or you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna spin move the guys. No, they're gonna hit me so hard, I'll naturally spin, oh and with that natural spin, I will then fall into the end zone. There is no chance you could get. I think it would take you maybe. I'll give you fifty carries from the one yard line, and maybe you score once. Maybe give me eight. Eight I need carries. This is oh for God. one. Yeah, for one. I, I listen, There's no way. You give me what's the best? Uh, the, give me the Cowboys offensive line. I, I got maybe, one. maybe it's the best offensive line in football. Yeah, but give it to me with Travis Frederick, not with Joe Looney. So you running up against NFL linebackers who weigh 265 pounds, mm-hmm. pure muscle. Not these guys here. And defensive tackles. To hear Whitehead's 240. Shaq's 235. Whitehead would mess you up. He if would mess he, any of us if up. If he caught me. Oh my god! All right, all right. Uh, yeah, send in your uh, sleepers this year. Don't sleep on who for the Panthers. Diamonds direct Twitter feed and at yeah. Josh Parcell. Is Josh, and it's not Nick Wilson. Is Josh sleeping on me? In, in ten runs, in ten rushes at the goal line, could I get one into the end zone? I'm feeling a little I'm slept confident. on here. Feel a little slept on here. The final drive with Josh Parcell coming up right here on Sports Radio FNZ. Wilson and Parcel. Got a lot to get to here in the final segment. I just want to thank you, say thank you to 704 number uh, who's saying, I got Nick in the uh, in under 10 carries from the one-yard line. If he's anything like me, starve him all day, put a full bar and a stack of cheeseburgers at the back of the end zone <laughs> and watch him punish folks. And Trey Boston better not even think about bringing his skinny ass up for that smoke. Finally, somebody believes in me. I feel loved again. We can continue the show. That's all you got. That's that is your only hope. We got one guy in the text. Just line. put some Basante in the back of the end zone, and we're not trying sh- to get Panthers you. defenders killed now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm siding with the NFL guys. All right, good well, luck though. I, I live Let to me make, know how it goes. I live to make people look foolish, including myself. So we'll <laughs> see. Uh, it is time for the final drive with Josh Barcel. Yo, we could go. I, I made what I thought was a bold prediction. I believed it, but you know, it felt kind of out there. And it was that the Blazers would beat the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, the Blazers, right? Losing record, a bunch of injuries this season, one of the worst defenses in the NBA. Could they really take down three-time NBA champion LeBron James, Anthony Davis, two of the top five players in basketball, the number one seed in the Western Conference, best record, 
Well, guess what? They can, and they did last night. And I think it's a time. It's time that we officially worry about the L.A. Lakers. You know that Blazers defense that I mentioned had given up at least 120 points in five straight games entering the playoffs. Dallas scored 130. The Clippers scored 125. The Grizzlies scored 130. I mean, they're giving up points left and right. It's like Oprah out here handing out points. You get points. I get points. Everybody gets points. Except for the Lakers. The Lakers scored 93 points last night. They're shooting from the outside. 15% is the worst, second worst in NBA history in the playoffs of a team that took at least 33s. If you're going to put up that many threes, you better make more than five of them. And the Lakers couldn't do it last night. It was an absolute train wreck. LeBron was fantastic. First player in league history with 20 points, 15 boards, and 15 assists in a playoff game. He was excellent. But if LeBron James is going to have 15 assists, he might have to have 25 assists. from, Or he could have had 25 assists if his teammates could hit shots. They have to hit shots. We know that LeBron James, if he has to, could put the team on his back and go for 45, can go for 50, and just make it a one-man band and beat teams by himself. He's done it before. He can do it again. But if LeBron has to resort to that, if he has to resort to hero ball against the eight-seeded Blazers... Forget about the Lakers winning a championship. This team is poorly constructed. It's a bunch of has-beens. It's a bunch of never-wers. Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, J.R. Smith, Dion Waiter. These guys are no good. And the teams in the Western Conference are chomping at the bit to go after L.A. Damian Lillard is not afraid. He's dancing to the whistle song in the middle of the fourth quarter in a tie game. He's not scared of LeBron James. He's not scared of the Lakers. They have to get more help from the other players. This has been a problem for LeBron seemingly outside of when he was in Miami his entire career. LeBron's amazing. Where's the help? Anthony Davis, 0 of 5 from 3 last night. That's not going to get it done. I'm worried about the Lakers. I think that they'll fight back if you want a silver lining. It was the worst shooting night of the season for them. 38% effective field goal percentage. They have never shot as poorly in a game this season. If they shoot the ball better, they will win games in this series. But do not be surprised if in a week and a half, you are looking at a first-round exit for the Los Angeles Lakers if KCP and Alex Caruso and Waiters and Dwight Howard can't give LeBron any more help than they gave him last night or that they've given him in the bubble, there is officially a problem with the L.A. Lakers. That is the final drive. Powered by Queen City Audio, Video, and Appliances. Check them out. Grills, TVs, audio, all that stuff. Six locations all around Charlotte. Queen City Audio, Video, and Appliances. Serving the Carolinas since 1952. And if it wouldn't hurt Anthony Davis, you could at least make one of the five three-pointers you're going to take in any given game 0-5 last night and look you're 100% right on the other guys they're going to be necessary to go ahead and not just beat Portland but to get to the Western Conference Finals and potentially try and win a championship but this is this is a big year for Anthony Davis we've talked about Anthony Davis as one of the faces of the NBA and the future faces of the NBA for a long time and he should be right up there with Giannis, he should be right up there with Luca. He should be right up there with Zion. He is one of the most skilled players we've at his size we've ever seen. Twenty-eight points is nice, but eight of twenty-four shooting is not nice. 
And if LeBron's going to do everything else, if LeBron's going to score, if LeBron's going to rebound, if LeBron's going to basically get everybody else involved, make your shots and make it count. And he needs the bad man and Anthony Davis, which we've seen exist, needs to come out, not just in this series, but in the rest of the playoffs too. Yeah, and the thing about LeBron, I agree with you, but Davis, the thing about LeBron is well, I, I do think if, if he has to put the team on his back and and carry the load as a scorer, and we've seen him do this. He did it in Cleveland where it was just downhill drive, 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 drive. LeBron gets to the rim, get fouled, hit some guys for kickouts and, and hope that they make some shots. But LeBron puts up 50 points. He, he did that basically in three straight finals with Cleveland against Golden State. He had some help in some of those series. The one that they won, Kyrie was magnificent, but LeBron can't there's a couple things. One, LeBron if he, if he has to do that to beat Portland, they're not beating the Clippers. I don't even think they're beating the Rockets. Uh if they can get through this first round series if if that's what it comes to. And then I'll say this too about LeBron cuz there are moments where LeBron shows you that there's still unreal athleticism. He had a spin move last night and a drive through the lane that was breathtaking. He's had explosions in fast breaks. He's had dunks where it's like, all right, he looks like he's 28 again. There are these small pockets, but there are also moments for LeBron where he gets blocked at the rim. I mean, Whiteside threw a shot back at LeBron that, that usually LeBron finishes through that and draws a foul and is flexing his muscles at the crowd when he walks away. There, there are moments with LeBron where I, I don't know that he's, and again, I'd still take him over virtually everybody else, but he's not what he was in Cleveland three, four years ago. Or certainly not what he was in Miami. I don't think LeBron can can turn on the turbo boosters. It's like in a video game. If you hit the turbo, it only lasts for a few seconds and then it goes away. I don't think LeBron could be on turbo as long as he has been in the past. He needs other guys. And if he has to turn it up to that in the first round, I, I really don't think the Lakers can survive four straight rounds in a really difficult Western conference. And then what awaits them if they were to somehow get through that in the East or, or to face the opponent in the East, Milwaukee or Toronto, who has a lot of bodies they could throw at LeBron. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about LA. I do not think they're going to win the title. I, he's certainly not going to be 28 year old LeBron. I do think that he can turn on the two turbo still. And I think he can still be the guy they need. He was doing I, it for think, 48 minutes a night, well, though, in Cleveland. Well, like, he was again, not coming off the floor. But again, he was doing that in the NBA Finals. He wasn't doing that in the Eastern Conference Finals. He wasn't doing that in the, the divisional round. He wasn't doing that in the, the opening round because right. he didn't have to. If that's, my, that's my exact point. Well, but I, but I think the point is, like, if, if, if he has these to do guys, that for four straight rounds, I mean, if these guys are expecting him to do that, they need to get the hell out of the NBA. They, they, I, this is one of the big things. There have been a lot of guys in LeBron's career who's just stood around and watched LeBron be great. There are a few guys on this team who can be considered to be of that ilk. Just don't be on the team. Don't accept the salary if that's what you're going to do. Because you want to go to or you want to go to L.A. You want to play with LeBron. Be prepared to win championships. He and that picked, team was he, not he, ready. He picked the guys. LeBron picked these dudes. That this is all LeBron. Way. No, you that's overrated. You want, that, that is, is so not overrated. overrated. It really is. It's no, overrated it's because you act as if he can pick anyone. In some ways, LeBron they have to pick him. No, that's he. No, they all come no. on. You are okay. No. You this, are this fanboy a, and a hard flawed, if you think that this, that LeBron didn't that pick is that a team. Flawed logic. Yes, he has input. Every star player has input. 
Other guys have to be willing to come to the role that you have. And right now, there weren't a lot of dudes willing to accept the role, knowing they'd be behind Kuzma and KCP and these other guys. Did, did LeBron probably was LeBron probably putting them over the top with J.R. Smith? LeBron probably. got KCP paid. LeBron literally what were KCP they gonna do if they got didn't paid. Sign KCP. What, what do you mean if they, if they didn't what, have KCP? What, what who, is cap space? K- who is KCP? Well, but he's a effective role player in oh, the NBA. Oof. Nate Worth, what he's getting paid. Rich Paul got that dude paid as a make or, or, or as a as a good faith sign for Bron Bron to come to L.A. Everybody knows that. And LeBron said, "I want to. I want bring in Javale, bring in Dion, bring in Dwight Howard." He brought in all these dudes because a they took up so much cast space bringing him in AD. And anyway, that's how they want to build the team. It this, this absolutely falls on LeBron. These are the this is how you wanted to build the basketball team. He's now not you got to go GM. win with it. He Dude, doesn't you, know. He's you, not Nick, the GM. You, you yourself have said before that LeBron has been the GM in Cleveland before, and that he's a bad GM. Like that, you literally have no, said that. That's, that I've, you have no, said no. that. I've, I've talked made, about I've made that. fun of that. LeBron has input. Oh. David Griffin was the GM. Here come don't the LeBron dis- defense. LeBron's no, going to lose, no, and everybody's going to come out of their woodwork. LeBron was not the reason they lost. Like look, it, this is ridiculous. That LeBron that. should be the guy that has to do has to be. Jesus, apparently, for the Los Angeles Lakers when Anthony Davis is out there not doing a whole lot going 8 for 24 from the field. Okay. First of all, Anthony Davis was fine last night. He was not bad. Anthony Davis was not the reason that they lost that basketball game. I would argue that the other guys that shot 8% from three were not enough. Anthony Davis is 0 for 5. Sure, but I'm not telling you Anthony Davis looked like Kareem last night. But if you're going to blame Anthony Davis when literally nobody else on that team showed up last night, come on. I know you're smarter than that. And and to try to to, to act like LeBron somehow just said, yeah, do whatever you want. That's uh, not, uh, no. uh, 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 Palenka. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not what I said. You picked the guys. You said it's an overrated storyline. There's there's a huge difference between oh saying, you do you, Robbie, and hey, Here comes can you the LeBron defense. He's losing games, no. and everybody's going to try to shield it's, LeBron. It's Here not, come the pillow fights. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Yeah, there's something in between him handpicking everybody in the roster and him having no impact, and you know he's not the only guy. This whole narrative that LeBron's the only guy that impacts his roster is absolute a joke. He's not the joke. only guy. Can't, Kenny Irvin or Kenny Atkinson was a successful head coach in the NBA. Kyrie Irving couldn't put up with 20 games of the guy and got him ran out. Kyrie Irving's having them sign people. I don't hear people knocking the roster in in Brooklyn. That's different because they're also yeah, all. What hurt. are you talking about? But the point uh, is, yeah. Kyrie Irving, who hasn't been in Brooklyn for longer than a year, Kyrie Irving has that kind of power in Brooklyn. Everybody has some some say in it in the NBA. Uh, real quick here, Josh, who's the best player to ever wear the number 68? Yamir Yager played for a million years, wore 68 with all 18 teams he played with, eight-time All-Star, five-time Ross Trophy, two-time Stanley Cup winner. When I think 68, I think Yamir Yager. I also like Will Shields, but I would agree with you. It is definitely Yamir Yager. All right, that does it for the show. Uh, great job on a hacksaw there. Uh, it's not LeBron's fault. Bleep the haters. We'll be back tomorrow from 2 to 7, guys. Until then, Nick Wilson for Josh Parcell saying stay safe and be good, Charlotte. Lord, I love you, Carolina. Hasta la vista, baby. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. See you later. Charmed, I'm sure. I'm really the elevator. That's all, folks. Okay. Bye.